A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. Now, I said on uh, yesterday's program, we we're going to be talking with Rob Dorr from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. Unfortunately, we had some scheduling issues with Rob, and we'll uh, try to get him on the program next week. Unfortunately, there is uh, still plenty to discuss today, including the uh, shooting at the... Um, celebratory parade for the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City yesterday. One person shot and killed a a local DJ, mother of two, uh, more than 20 people injured. Police took three suspects into custody. Uh, They have released no information about those suspects, um, who they are, whether or not they have any uh, criminal history, any possible motive uh, for the shootings. Of course, that lack of information didn't stop gun control activists and anti-gun politicians from Joe Biden on down from immediately declaring that the solution here is more gun control laws, right? Uh, Joe Biden came out and said, you know, it's time for Congress to pass a a ban on so-called assault weapons. Well, he didn't call them so-called assault weapons ban, magazine ban, universal background checks. Now, again, we don't know anything at all about these suspects, whether or not they were illegally allowed to possess a firearm in the first place, what kind of criminal history they might have had, what led up uh, to shots being fired. But we do know that even in states with all of those gun control laws on the books and more, uh, it is still incredibly easy. In fact, I would say it's easier for criminals to get a hold of guns than it is for lawful citizens to be able to do the same. Let's look at what happened in New York uh, last week where a 15-year-old arrested, apparently been in this country for just a matter of months, uh, too young to legally purchase a firearm, too young to legally purchase ammunition, and he is accused of opening fire in a Times Square shop, a gun-free zone, in the heart of New York City, uh, aiming at a security guard, but hitting a tourist from Brazil before fleeing the scene and allegedly pointing a gun at uh, officers who were trying to chase him down. Now, New York has all kinds of gun control laws on the books, right? They've got Joe Biden's gun ban. They've got Joe Biden's magazine ban. They have universal background checks. They have ammunition background checks. They have a plethora of gun-free zones that are routinely violated. And as we talked about uh, yesterday at Bearing Arms, Almost never are criminal charges filed, uh, just three times, apparently, since the passage of the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, quote-unquote, have individuals faced a top charge of carrying in a gun-free zone, and this 15-year-old isn't even being charged with that crime. He is facing other charges, but they're not bothering to charge him with possessing a gun in a gun-free zone. So forgive me. Uh, If I do not agree with uh, Joe Biden's assertion or the assertion of gun control groups, well, all we need to do is pass a law. And once we pass that law, then problem is solved, right? Criminals won't be able to get a hold of guns. In some of the most gun-controlled states in the union, it is easier, again, for a 15-year-old to illegally acquire a firearm, far easier for a 15-year-old to illegally acquire a firearm than it is for a lawful citizen to legally get a gun to keep in their home or to carry one in public. So why on earth would we think that putting these same gun laws that are ineffective in New York and California on the books nationwide would somehow lead to uh, these incidents stopping on a dime? It's not the inanimate object we have to worry about. It's the people who would be pulling the trigger. And again, right now, we don't know anything at all about the individuals who've been arrested. Police have said nothing publicly. We can speculate, but that's all it would be at this point. 
as to the past criminal history or the possible motivation for these shootings. But for gun control advocates, you don't have to wait, right? That's one of the beautiful things about being a gun control advocate. Why wait for the facts? You don't have to. It was back in 2012 that the uh, gun control playbook was released. It's called Preventing Gun Violence Through Effective Messaging. And one of the strategies that they specifically lay out is when there's a high-profile shooting, don't wait for the facts. Start talking right away. Seize on the emotion of that moment to push your agenda. And they even say, don't get too specific, right? You don't want to call for something, and then it turns out, well, it really would have mattered. But definitely lean into these tragedies in the immediate aftermath so that you can, again, exploit the emotions that people have, the fear, the concern, the heartache, and try to use that to put these gun control laws in place. So Joe Biden, groups like Brady and Everytown, they are simply going by the playbook of exploiting these tragedies, calling for either specific or unnamed proposals that would not have had any impact long before the facts are known, because that's the best way they feel to advance their anti-gun agenda. So we will continue to report what's going on in Kansas City with the investigation, with the uh, suspects, when there is new information to report. But um, in the meantime, we will also stand squarely against the idea that a knee-jerk gun control reaction is appropriate when tragedies like this take place. Uh, All right. We're also uh, looking at a a new story from USA Today that uh, dropped on Thursday morning. Um, And we're going to spend some time talking about this. uh, Nick Pinson-Stadler with this uh, piece, Gun Shops that that Sell the Most Guns Used in Crime Revealed in New List. Yeah. Now, there is far less to this than meets the eye, despite that breathless headline from uh, USA Today. Pinson Stadler writes, which gun stores sell the most crime guns has been kept secret for more than two decades, since 2003 under the George W. Bush administration. But a Freedom of Information Act request from USA Today unearthed a glimpse of them. Among the more than 1,300 outlets targeted in 2023 by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives are many of the largest sellers. That's important. Important, by the way, to keep in mind, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, Rural King and Sportsman's Warehouse, along with some less well-known stores such as Town Guns in Richmond, Virginia, and Ammo Brothers in Ontario, California. Now, it's also worth pointing out that there are plenty of stores in California who made this list. So gun control activists say, well, I mean, you know, this is a sign that we need tougher gun laws. Well, you have, uh, I believe, over a dozen stores in California alone, again, with all of the gun control laws in place, right? Universal background checks, 10-day waiting periods, uh, the handgun roster, ammo background checks, right? All of these gun control laws that are on the books in California, and yet you still have California gun stores that are on this list, which, again, is an indication that simply being on this list uh, is not evidence of wrongdoing. More often than not, it's evidence that you are a high-volume seller of firearms. In fact, Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation said the release of these names is, quote, inappropriate and counterproductive and questioned whether the ATF broke the law by releasing this list. He says if shops are named publicly and there are negative articles suggesting that they're bad guys, they won't want to cooperate with the ATF as they've done in the past. And Pinson Stadler does note way down in his story uh, that the ATF even says that being on their demand to list is not an indication of wrongdoing. A number of factors, including geography, 
sales volume, secondary market transfers by an original lawful purchaser, and the level of sophistication of firearm traffickers may be involved in a traced crime gun, ADF spokeswoman Christina Mastropasqua wrote in an email. You know, I don't even like the term crime gun because the vast majority of these firearms that are traced are not necessarily connected to a crime. The most common category for traces is simply found firearm. So if a gun is discovered, they trace it back to the original uh, retail seller. But that doesn't mean that the gun was used in a crime, nor are all guns that are used in crimes traced by the ATF. So, again, simply being on this list is not an indication of wrongdoing, as the ATF itself points out. Vincent Stadler writes that the criteria for being included on the list is also relatively simple. At least 25 guns traced to a crime over a year that were purchased within the past three years. It's known in the law enforcement lingo as time to crime. A short period is an indicator of illegal trafficking of firearms. Um, And again, when you're talking about high volume sellers, the odds are that uh, the more you sell, the more likely it is that one of these guns might be involved in a trace. And again, that's important to note. We're not talking necessarily about guns that were used in crimes. We're talking about guns that were traced. One of the, excuse me, one of the owners of the, uh, one of the stores uh, that uh, was on this list kind of explained this. Mark Tosh, um, who is the president of a chain of Virginia gun stores, said that basically any retailer that sells more than 2,000 guns a year would probably appear on the list. He says it's the law of averages. Town gun shop stores in Richmond and Collinsville, Virginia, uh, are on this demand to list. Tosh says it's because, again, of a large volume of sales and the length of time that he's been in business. He said the two shops together sell thousands of guns a year. And he also said he works with the ATF to track down guns that are used in crime. He says, our belief is when you buy a firearm, you are a law-abiding citizen with good intent. It doesn't always work that way, so we don't mind doing our part to trace firearms. It's priority number one when the tracing center calls. He also added that stopping stopping straw purchasers is a challenge. Vincent Sadler writes that uh, he notes his staff recently flagged a buyer for whom law enforcement made three consecutive trace requests. Tosh said, I had a conversation with a man. I thanked him for his business, but said we had to protect him, our staff, and our shop, and wouldn't sell to him anymore. He said, I personally trained my 24 employees to look for straw sales, and everyone is empowered to terminate a sale. Now, again, that's pretty far down Pins and Stadler's story, right? The intent of this story does seem to be to name and shame uh, the gun stores that appear in this list. Uh, USA Today even has this uh, interactive map on their website where you can look and see all of the stores in question. Uh, And again, There are a number of them in states with very restrictive gun control laws, like California. Maryland has multiple gun stores that appear on the list. Massachusetts has a couple of gun stores that appear on the list. So uh, the presence of uh, as restrictive gun control laws as you can imagine um, does not prevent stores in these states from popping up on the demand to list. And even as the ATF has said, being on this list is not any uh, evidence of wrongdoing. That is certainly the attitude that gun control activists have taken. Uh, in fact, uh, activists that Depends and Stadler talked to for his story at USA Today. Josh Scharf, the legal counsel for Brady, says it's noticed that for whatever reason you're being targeted by traffickers. 
A responsible business person would say, I don't want to supply the criminal market. That's not why I'm in this business. And he says that the release of the list should incentivize shops to get off of it. Well, sure. But again, if you are a high-volume seller of firearms, as Tosh pointed out, then the odds of you being on this list, not because of any wrongdoing on your part, but simply because of the number of firearms that are being sold to lawful citizens, uh, is going to increase the odds that, uh, again, one or more of those guns uh, might eventually be used in a crime. So uh, this is, I think, a hit piece uh, against the firearms industry. USA Today's reporting uh, is not the worst that I've seen, but it's how it's going to be exploited and misused and misrepresented by these gun control groups, uh, who I don't think are going to quote the ATF spokesperson who said, you know, listen, being on this list is not evidence of crime. They absolutely want the public to think that if you're on this list, you are a bad apple gun dealer. You should have your FFL license taken away. You should be shut down. Your inventory destroyed. Right. That's the attitude that they take. And that's the narrative that they're going to be advancing going forward, despite all of the facts to the contrary. Now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a uh, story out of Gun Control D.C. Uh, and uh, Gun Controlled Maryland, where there was recently a, a shooting where a, a toddler um, was shot in Langley Park, Maryland. This is uh, just outside of uh, the Washington, D.C. border. And according to WUSA in Washington, D.C., the suspects in this case, well-known to law enforcement, convicted felons, as a matter of fact, recently released from prison, despite parole and probation violations, they were still out on the street, which suggests, again, this isn't a failure of uh, or a lack of gun control. It is a lack of criminal control that led to this shooting. WUSA reports that uh, suspects Israel Fuentes Jr. and Johnny Alejandro Tercios, both convicted armed robbers who've served recent prison sentences, warrants for violation of probation, however, were not issued until after the pair were locked up for the death of this toddler, even though documents indicate that authorities were well aware before the shooting that the men were not complying with the conditions of their releases, and they did not take action. In Tercios's case, the new warrant reveals that he was released from prison last September and was immediately in default status on paying court-ordered fees for drug testing and other costs. But no action was taken, even though he was not complying with the terms of his release. In Fuentes's case, he met with probation officials in November, reports WUSA, but since then, failed to prove that he had been doing court-ordered drug treatment. He also defaulted on his fees. And again, no consequence whatsoever for failing to comply with the terms of his release. WUSA also notes that both men have, quote, long criminal records, including previous robbery and gun charges. Tercios, convicted of being the shooter among a group of men who, or at least the gun holder among a group of men who robbed a victim in Langley Park, Maryland, of an iPhone, shoes, and a jacket in 2017. Fuentes's robbery charge goes back to 2019. And as WUSA reports, both are felons. 
Yet existing gun laws apparently did nothing to prevent them from getting guns again. The sources of the weapons, including the uh, what USA today, or excuse me, uh, what WUSA calls the AK-47 military rifle used in the shooting, uh, not revealed in the available documents. But again, Maryland has all kinds of restrictions on the books, including bans on so-called assault weapons, uh, handgun licensing laws. They have magazine restrictions. They have waiting periods. Washington, D.C., the same, right? You've got your gun bans. You've got your mag bans. In fact, uh, D.C.'s ban on high-capacity magazines, quote-unquote high-capacity magazines, uh, was uh, is being challenged in court. There were oral arguments before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals earlier this week. And none of those gun control laws stopped these career criminals from illegally obtaining a firearm. What might have stopped this shooting is if the criminal justice system had actually held these individuals to account and had forced them to either abide by the terms of their release or return them to prison when they failed to do so. But in D.C. and in Maryland, the powers that be don't want to do that. They don't want to put people in prison. They don't want to send people back to prison for something like, you know, failing to pay their fees. Well, gosh, I mean, that, uh, you know, disproportionately impacts the, uh, the, the folks who don't have the money to pay these fees. Which is arguably true. Um, but that wasn't the only thing that, uh, the only condition of their release that apparently was violated, Right. So you don't want to, you don't have the, you don't have the cash to pay the fees. Well, maybe first of all, go to the courts and explain, Hey, you know what? I've had trouble finding a job since I uh, got out of prison. Uh, people don't seem to want to hire a convicted felon. Somebody who was convicted of armed robbery. So, uh, Hey, you know, can we defer these fees for a couple months? I'm guessing in a state like Maryland, and you would probably find court officials who are willing to work with you on that, but failing to simply show up for your drug treatment, failing to talk to your probation or parole officers, those are all acts that, again, are willful violations of your probation. And when they go unpunished, it sends a message that is received loud and clear by violent criminals that they don't have to abide by the terms of their release, that no consequences will be coming. And in fact, that was exactly the case until they were arrested for this most recent shooting in Langley Park, Maryland. Today's Armed citizen story from uh, I think this is let me make sure I have the uh, the right state here. Uh, I think this is a Limestone County, Kentucky, where a uh, armed citizen ended up uh, stopping a attempted robbery. Uh, this was just a couple of days ago. Here's the headline: Neighbors Limestone County Sheriff weigh in on an attempted robbery that turned deadly. Deadly for the armed robber, that would be, by the way, this is uh, Limestone County, Alabama. I apologize for getting the uh, the state wrong there. The um, man who was shot and killed while trying to break into the home in Limestone County, well known to law enforcement, in fact, for decades had been known to law enforcement. Um, name is uh, Christopher Hovis, 44 years of age. WAAY-TV reports that Hovis's first run-in with the law was back in 1999 when he was arrested and charged with two counts of attempted murder. Uh, the TV station also said that they discovered a complaint accusing him of shooting into a house in Harvest, Alabama, hitting a man inside. He ultimately pled down in that case to reckless endangerment. Uh, 
was sentenced to just four months in jail, followed by a year of probation. And uh, just like today's recidivist report, he violated that probation by failing a drug test, did not pay his court-ordered fines, and apparently was not returned to prison for the entirety of a sentence either. The TV station reports that throughout the years, he had other run-ins with the law, including charges for domestic violence, for theft, drug possession. And again, this past weekend, apparently uh, attempted home invasion and robbery. The Limestone County Sheriff's Office got a call from the homeowner about 4.20 Saturday morning saying that there was somebody trying to break in. By the time officers arrived about 10 minutes later, homeowner said that uh, Ovis had already kicked in their door and the homeowner was forced to uh, fire shots in self-defense, shooting and killing. Hovis. Limestone County Sheriff Joshua McLaughlin says that the homeowner did everything right. He says, I would always say, if given the opportunity and the time, pick up the phone and call 911 first, give us a chance to get there. And then if someone makes an entry into your home, you got to do what you got to do to protect yourself and your family. Apparently, the homeowner did just that. He heard somebody trying to break in, called the police, and then armed himself. He then waited until the intruder had gained entry to the home and was advancing towards him before he acted in self-defense. The sheriff said, ultimately, a homeowner has a right to protect himself inside his home, and he doesn't have a duty to retreat. So you always have the right to protect yourself and your family if someone is trying to break into the home. Sheriff went on to say he believes the homeowner acted in a just way, using self-defense to protect himself and his family, who were also in the home at the time. He says, uh, right now, it appears this was a justified shooting, We'll continue to do our investigation to make sure that there's not anything we haven't discovered or missed. But as of right now, it appears it is a justified shooting or a homicide. So we'll keep our eyes out for uh, any more details on this story. But again, right now, it appears that a, a homeowner acted to protect himself against a career criminal trying to break into his home in the early morning hours last Saturday morning in Limestone County, Alabama. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Some Dayton police officers, uh, including Justin Lee, who got a call, uh, I guess this was the past weekend, uh, Sunday morning. He was uh, called out on a report of theft of children's clothes. And when he got there, started talking to the mom. Actually, even when he got there, before he started talking to the mom, he could see that there were clothes hangers scattered all over the pavement outside of the uh, the house. Uh, and when he began talking to the woman who would call police, he said he could hear it in her voice. She said, my son's clothes. They took everything that he has. And he said, okay, I'll be over here in a little bit. Um, Lee told the woman, stole your son's stuff and the amount of anger that's inside me right now because I have kids, right? The amount of anger inside me right now is unfathomable. Who would do this to a little kid, to a family? Justin Lee said, no one's going to replace what he had. And he said, I probably can't replace all the nice stuff he had. But he said, follow me because we're going to Walmart. He called uh, fellow officer Zach Banks, who helped spread the word. And in really just a matter of hours, they received $1,500 in donations. Uh, Bank said, I made a Facebook post and said, hey, we're looking for good guys. You guys want to help out? Let's see what we can do. He said, my Venmo started blowing up. It was great. He said, we ended up with about $1,500. And on top of that, we got totes of clothes, some brand new, some brand name stuff that uh, was gently worn. 
Uh, and they were able to make sure that this young child actually had some clothes to wear going forward. Here's a uh, picture of the uh, child, mom, and uh, Officer Justin Lee, again, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Lee said, it's about the little man, you know. It's making that difference, letting him see that there are good people out there in a world that's so scary and dark right now. He said, you know, as a kid growing up, there's not much good in the news. So if you can impact somebody's life, and then he takes that as he grows up, he can take that and impact others' lives. Well, I hope that is certainly the uh, takeaway for this kid. And again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, to go above and beyond the call of duty. Um, Officer Lee, Officer Banks, and all of the folks who stepped up to help this little boy and his mom out, we thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I'm looking forward to being back with you again on Monday, but don't forget to check out BearingArms.com. Between now and then, we are keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Armed citizen stories, legislation, litigation, regulation, victories, and unfortunately some uh, setbacks as well this session. But uh, we've got it all covered for you at the website. If you like what you see, I'd encourage you to check out our VIP or VIP Gold memberships. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you get a significant savings on those memberships. In exchange, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference, and it truly does matter. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here soon. Until then, be well. Be safe. And be free.